Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to today's show. We have a special program. Uh, I have a very special guest with me today. We have Nick Buckley, MBE from Reform UK, who stood for mayor of Greater Manchester against the establishment, the, the likes of, you know, um, Andy Burnham and all the others uh, who, you know, just do all the things. But, you know, well, they, they say all the things. I don't really get anything done. Uh, so firstly, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thank you much for having me. Yeah, um, well, I wanted to kind of discuss with you, of course, you know, you've got your expertise in there when it comes to uh, Manchester and uh, the, uh, the the terrorism that we had a few years ago in Manchester. There's still an inquiry going on. And unfortunately, we just had another one a few days ago uh, with uh, Sir David Amos. And right now, politicians obviously get together, uh, they mourn, they unite the country with the rhetoric. But then it's going to happen again, right? Yeah, it will. And the question we need to ask ourselves is why? And no one seems to be asking that question. Nobody wants that discussion. And at the moment, we're talking about nasty people on Twitter. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not nasty on Twitter and I don't want nasty people on Twitter. But do you know what? It's their right to be nasty on Twitter if they want to be nasty. And then you can judge those people by what they say. But it's got nothing to do with what happened a few days ago. That's the thing I was going to ask you about this, actually, um, because um, the, I, I was massively surprised. Usually after these terrorist attacks, uh, apart from the usual rhetoric of niceness, you know, be kind, hashtag be kind and all that together. Uh, sometimes at least politicians come out to say, OK, we're going to introduce a new measure. We're going to uh, put some like security here or there. Uh, the reaction, the instant reaction to this incident, which was, uh, again, we have to say for legal reasons, allegedly uh, a suspect, uh, of course, um, you know, uh, carried on the, the, the attack, uh, which had nothing to do with, it was an offline world, it was in real world. The reaction was to go after uh, people who hide their names, usernames on Twitter. Um, I, what, what's that got to do with anything? Absolutely nothing. But our politicians know they need to do something this is something, let's do that. Yeah. Because the alternative is to look at this very serious, very complicated problem and try to work out what needs to be done. But yeah. over the last 50 years, our politicians have been substandard mainly because we've been part of the EU where all the major decisions are made. Yeah. But now that we've taken back control, they have no one to blame. Yes. So they know it's down to them. So they have to do something but they don't want the backlash of, of yeah. having to tackle the problem. So we'll just we'll just tinker around the edges, and it looks yeah. like we're doing something. It is funny because uh, Remainers, uh, well, Ramona's attack uh, Brexit is saying, oh, you you told us then when we come out of the European Union, then we're going to control our borders. How are you not doing it? Is that like, why are you telling us? We're also angry with the government politicians that they, they as you said, they have no more excuses, <clears throat> uh, yet nothing's actually been done. Because I think when it comes to, the issue of border force, uh, border control, and also, of course, extremism, uh, it's become so black and white that uh, people like you know yourself and me uh, will be uh, painted as, oh, you guys are just some sort of far-right uh, English fascists that you know you just don't want any foreigners here. And like, it's it's not really like that, is it? Because it, you know, it's, it there's an issue, an element of uh, mass migration or unvetted migration, uh, and also in terms of homegrown extremism, right? Yeah, and do you know what? They're two different things mm -hmm. because everybody wants to, to put everything into the same basket when we start yeah. when we start talking about one topic. Let's forget about immigration for the moment, even illegal yeah. immigration. The gentleman over the weekend, the alleged gentleman over the weekend, wasn't even an immigrant. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he had British citizenship. He was raised here. His friends were here. He went to school here. Yeah, the best life here. It's completely different. 
And what I'd like to say to politicians is, if you're not able and don't have the courage to tackle some of these serious problems we have yeah. in our country, then get out yeah. of politics, get out of parliament and make way for someone who's, who's going to tackle these problems because the answers exist. Mm -hmm. They may yeah. not be easy, but they exist. There's a gentleman yeah. on GB News yesterday, uh, Dr. Taj Hagi, mm -hmm. speaking some complete sense. He, he's a Muslim man who's looked at the problem, is coming up with solutions. He may be wrong, but at least we've got some, some solutions, <laughs> some ideas, some discussions. Yep. At the moment, we don't, we're not even allowed to discuss it. No, no. Of course, we got the, the the political and cultural debates that, you know, you and I will try to raise and other people go on TV. And then there's also the actual technical discussions, the people who do the jobs. Uh, after the other day, MI5 um, uh, staff came out to actually complain about politicians saying that, they're not giving us enough flexibility and they give us the wrong sort of powers. Even they're complaining because we, we obviously always kind of uh, criticize the state when it gets big and when it gets too kind of a uh, big brother. Uh, even the MI5 stuff were actually uh, complaining that the governments are giving us the wrong powers, like too much power on certain issues. We don't want that. But give us the actual powers to deal with extremism. They basically say that these days we now have thousands and thousands of ten, tens of thousands of extremists and potential terrorists just walking around freely on our streets yeah. and they say we don't have the manpower to actually keep an eye on every single one of them politicians don't even know what they're doing and you said the word there that's the problem and the word is politician yeah what do politicians care about they care about the next election and being elected again yes what we're missing in our country is a statesperson a statesman and a stateswoman yeah someone who stands up and says I'm going to fix these problems and I don't care if you agree with me or not. If you don't agree with me, vote me out in the next election because I'm going to do what's right, mm -hmm. not what's popular. And we're missing someone like that. It is. It's a very good point. Um, I um, had Richard Tice on the channel last week and uh, we had this discussion about the, the plans for Reform UK because uh, the whole discussion is about, um, obviously at times, You've got the main two parties uh, in the past. You see, with the Liberals and Tories, then obviously Conservatives and Labour. Now, uh, that's usually how the system works. There's two main players, and then you're going to have the others. Um, but the system, the system is still built to allow a third party to be a third party. We just, you know, been unlucky that the, the third parties have been quite terrible, like Lib Dems and the others. And at times, we were talking about this with Richard, how uh, a sh small, short-term shock protest vote does help when it comes, for example, Brexit Party. The, the agenda was to get rid of Theresa May, push through the actual Brexit, get it done. Uh, and then there will be at times when I think this is the moment when the political system that we have and the culture needs a long-term alternative party or parties to be patient, to grow slowly, and then so to kind of uh, be a big player for the next you know, 10 years or, or so. So I think, is this a plan that you think uh, when you look at the Reform UK? Absolutely. And even though sometimes it looks like it's a long journey, mm -hmm. it's a long journey being small, but then you hit a tipping point. And mm -hmm. that's what happened with the Brexit party was we hit a tipping point where the people said, no more, mm -hmm. we need to do what we ask you to do. And I can feel this is coming now. Yeah. Maybe not for reform, but I do think it's going to be for reform. But yeah. we look at what people are talking about. You look at what the government cannot solve. Yeah. And these are not... They are difficult, but they're not that difficult. You know, illegal immigration, we can't protect our borders. So what's the country for? What's parliament for? Yeah. We've got labour shortages and HGV driver shortages. All this was predicted, but no one did anything yeah. because it was too difficult. Yes. Energy crisis, 
This has been coming for 20, 30 years. No one, no government ever did anything about it because it was too difficult. Let's kick it down. Let's kick it down the road for someone else to deal with. Yes. And all these problems now we're coming a perfect storm and we need someone to stand up and yep. start talking about these. Because if not, my big worry is not another Islamic bomber or terrorist. It's the rise of the far right. It's the yeah. rise of people going, the whole system's against me. Yeah. We're going to create our own system. And it'll be a huge backlash, just like Brexit was a backlash. Yes. And the establishment all went, where did that come from? Yeah. Well, yeah. it was growing for decades and don't let it happen again now. I mean, the perfect example is uh, when it comes to the concept of vaccines, uh, the way the politicians and the governments actually dealt with the, the, the new vaccine is that, of course, you know, historically, you always have a, a group of people who are always skeptical when it comes to all vaccines. Mm. That's just that's just they exist. But then the way they tried to push this, that they actually created more skepticism. And a lot of people who t- taken all the other previous vaccines, uh, obviously, you know, they were doing their own research, and then they kept seeing Matt Hancock and Chris Whitty like pushing it the wrong way. And they said, "Well, I'm not going to take the vaccine." Like you're creating more anti-vaxxers than you expect. It's the same thing as you said. Um, you they, they would accidentally create more far right or whatever we want to call them and people who are just angry uh, even if, even though they're not really they're not born fascist or whatever uh, but you know you create that environment i was going to ask your opinion and uh, maybe not uh, with your reform or former reform uk candidate hat uh, more of like an and as an outsider analyzing this um because we don't want to really um gossip and kind of talk about other parties or other politicians but in terms of tribalism um, do you see um, an opportunity, but also do you see the problem right now that there are still a number of uh, smaller parties uh, just everywhere, and they're, they're all basically saying the same thing, uh, especially like on the right, the centre-right and right in general. Yeah. Um, and do you think the, the issue that we have is just tribalism, that you know, some people have personal problems with the others, the, the, the other gang, because uh, everyone is almost saying the same thing. I mean, there are some that will have certain differences, like SDP will have a couple of uh, policy uh, differences with you guys, for example. But generally speaking, all the others, I don't understand what's going on here because the Tories need an opposition from the right. They don't need an opposition from the left. Every time they get opposition from the Labour Party, the Tories become even more left-wing. We need a strong opposition from the right. How do we fix this? It's called survival of the fittest. Yes. So do we force all these parties to work together and become one party? Well, then we just become a different version of Labour and the Tories. <laughs> so even though it's convenient today, to want that to happen. All these parties may look similar and they've got similar policies, but they are all different. And what these parties, including reform, need to do is to be the best of the bunch. Yeah. And they need to sell their ideas and they need to sell their vision of the country to gain popular support. Yeah. And that's how you win over the electorate. We don't need to gerrymander these small parties. Mm-hmm. We need to be the best small party to become right. the best medium-sized party then, to right. then become the best party in the country. That's how we do it. Brilliant. See, that that's common sense. Finally, I've been like, in politics for about 10, 11 years. And every time I talk to alternative politicians and parties, they never had this uh, new... Uh, kind of vision and plan that I hear from you and even Richard Tice that you know at least there's some sort of patience because uh, even um, uh, Nigel Farage a good friend of mine obviously of course but uh, every time and if, even in the past days of UKIP uh, I did like anyone who had these chats with him his main goal was to just get Brexit and uh, <laughs> which is a, a very very obviously good cause anyway but um, yeah. the whole point over his platform and UKIP at the time was to just do independence and um, UKIP was uh, not created to become 
a major party to uh, be in government. Uh, so, but that's gone, obviously. Well, technically, mm. apparently, it's still there. <laughs> and uh, but uh, so now, Reform UK could be the new. Well, at the time when we had the Whigs and then the Tories were the the the, the alternative, the rebels, and now they're establishment. So maybe it could be the new Tories. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. And um, what are you guys up to? What what are you what, what are your plans in terms of the political activities? What's happening up there? If we follow, we've just had our first um, national conference a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I, I had the honour of opening the conference with a speech, which which was fantastic. Um, we're now looking at different policies. Uh, the party now has just moved from um, having uh, supporters to having full members now who can right. vote on leadership and vote on policies, which was the next step in the development of the party. Mm. And now we're looking at policies around the green agenda, um, which it sounds like we're supporting a green agenda. But what we mean by that is common sense. Yeah. We're sat on 100 years of gas and oil under, under our feet, but yet we're importing it from Russia and China. Yeah. That yeah. can't make sense. No. You know, we're building, we're building windmills and it doesn't have any wind. So <laughs> no. it, 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 we need a sensible energy policy because yeah. at the moment we're relying, we're relying on foreign powers. Yeah. That cannot make sense. So we're coming up with all these policies at the moment. Um, and as the party progresses over the next year, we're ready for the next election, we'll have a full manifesto and we'll be standing people in every seat in the country. I, I was that sounds really good because I was actually in Manchester for obviously Tory conference and I was supposed to come to the Reform UK one. I yeah. got my days wrong. By the time I got there, the bus left. I was like, oh great. So I, had to, <laughs> I had to call Richard Tides, like, Richard, where are you going? <laughs> like, okay, we'll meet in London. So we have yeah. I saw one of your videos, you were walking down the street. <laughs> you'd, you'd come from um one of the fringe groups and you were walking down the street. And if I'd been at home, I would have been able to see you at my bedroom window. You walked right past my bedroom window. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, I actually lived in Manchester for three years when I was at uni uh, university um, about 10 years ago. I love Manchester. It's so good. It's all, it also changes so quickly. Um, obviously, like central Manchester is, is modernizing really well. And it's completely defeated um, Liverpool and Birmingham because they were supposed to become the tech hub. Like Manchester became the tech hub. Uh, becoming a tech hub, also media hub, uh, future, and also financial. It's the second financial place now in the UK. I'm like, great, go Manchester. So I'm obviously biased, but <laughs> I mean, it's great. But we have made one mistake. And well, the one mis <laughs> well, well, he hasn't made any mistakes because he's he's, he's never done anything. So that, that's <laughs> Maybe that's best. good. It's a good politician. Well, Don't do anything. <laughs> well, well, apart from ruining Great Manchester Police, who are now in special measures. Yeah because they ignored 125,000 crimes and basically wow. put them all in the bin. Didn't, didn't record them on the system, put them straight in the bin, and then wonder why their, their, their crime went down. So um, they're in special measures. But the mistake Manchester's made is all these fantastic opportunities in the city centre, which is amazing. Yeah. Hardly any of those opportunities are filtered out to the poorest states around yeah. the Yep. This, this city centre. We have people travelling in 20, 30, 40, 50 miles every day to do the jobs and then they travel out again. And the kids my charity works with on the streets feel the city centre doesn't even belong to them. Yeah, yeah. It, it's for educated people. It's yeah. for rich people. It's for people who've been to university. Yeah, and yeah. it isn't the case. There's been no push for that. No, that is a good point. I think that's uh, the difference between how you grow the cities and, uh, and also at what pace London, early days of London becoming London, well, the modern London, obviously, in, in 19th century onwards, uh, didn't do it that way. You know, he actually created a situation where people just live either in the central or just around 
and they call the suburbs. Back in the days, so Kensington and Chelsea used to be called the suburbs of London, now it's central London. And then it kind of grew slightly away. Uh, and whilst we still have the private areas in London, uh, it's, it's, it's not as uh, divided as, for example, Manchester, where, you know, when you look at just the areas around the uh, central uh, of Manchester, then you can see a massive divide between uh, the people who live there and people who actually yeah. work in central. So you're absolutely yeah. spot on. Maybe in the future we could have, a, obviously, a push for improvement. Yeah, I, I called it the donut effect. You look at a donut, the middle hollow bit is Manchester city centre, full of money, full of opportunity. Mm. Then you've got the, the outer donut ring, which is poor no opportunities mm. left behind. And then once you go past that, the, the proper suburbs, yeah. that's where all the people who live, who work in the middle bit. Wow. Wow. It's, it's, it's one of those the weird things, at least the, there is some sort of improvement as opposed to certain other cities. We're not going to get into tribalism because there will be some viewers from certain cities that we're going to get angry. But some cities are not even improving. Uh, and we need to we need to know better leaders, uh, community leaders, not just uh, politicians who do things. Uh, but no, I just want to say massive thank you uh, for coming on the show and uh, hopefully I'll be more involved with the uh, I, I, I tell Richard to kind of invite me to all the reform events anyway so hopefully I'll see you in person soon and uh, and see if any updates come up from your party and all the others will keep you guys posted thank you and anytime <laughs>